I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. We are all entitled to sexual health, just as much as physical and mental health. We want to make it easier for folks to find resources. However they engage with us, there's no wrong door. So it's important that people are able to get access to care that is affirming. Talking about what their sex life is, about their concerns, and to make sure they're healthy. Do it for them. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Your sexual health matters. Visit doitforyoumc.org. Hey everyone, Scott Hansen here from NFL Red Zone. I hope you're checking out one hour of Five Yard Rush, one of the best podcasts on NFL football in the UK. Yo, what's happening Rush Nation? We're back. Sorry I missed last week. Not live this week either. There's gremlins. We seem to be encountering gremlins all over the place, Murph. Before we get to today's show, Rush Nation, I just want to remind you that the 2021 Fantasy Playbook is out there. It's live. It's on the website. If you want to go get yourself a PDF copy, it is there in the shop over at fiveyardrush.co.uk. Murph and I spent all pretty much 95% of our hibernation period over the winter months cramming in that book. So it is live. We're having a fight with Amazon at the moment because we can't seem to get a few things lined up, but it will be coming out as a paperback. We've just got to fight those last gremlins. That's enough Gremlins talk. Murph, how you doing, man? We do have a guest, but before we get to today's returning guest, big man, talk to me. Monday, how you feeling? Yeah, all good. Obviously, coming off the big news that next week the country will be pretty much reopened, um, which is phenomenal news. It's, it's, I think it's just the right time. I think it's it's good. And yeah, excited to get some feedback from, from the book. People have written in and said how much they're enjoying it. I mean, the 340-page beast that is the fantasy football playbook 2021 if you haven't got yourselves a copy make sure you do i know a lot of people are waiting for the amazon version so we are going to get that out to you asap it's just some as stocks were saying just some final technical gremlins that <laughs> we didn't expect uh because Standard. yes last year it's funny when you write the first one you put the first one out you think oh that won't be a big deal and then this one just seems to have been a little bit more difficult with Amazon, but we'll get there. Um, but it's just, yeah, it's, uh, the response has been overwhelming with the way that people have 
responded to the content. And yeah, if you do buy the digital version, there's been some questions on this. What is better for you as content writers? Not going to lie, the digital version, we make more money. It's $9.99. We see every penny of that. Um, we are going to make a donation to our charity of the year when it's all said and done. We, we'll set some, some money aside. And actually, for most of that money, actually goes back to listeners. Um, we take some money for operating costs, um, but actually most of it, like Stocks and I, don't, don't, we didn't take any money from last year's book or lead. None of us took a penny. We, um, you know, we, we did get the staff who write for us a little something each. And, um, but actually most of it went on T-shirts, winners' T-shirts, um, winners' merch, um, setting up leagues and things like that, and a few other bits and pieces of give, signed giveaways. So it all went on that. So um, for us personally, if you like, if you just like, you're not bothered and want to get a copy, the digital <laughs> copy puts more money in our pocket. It is cheaper for you. So we pass that cost on. It's nine ninety nine. The dollars, that's, I think it's about 13 bucks. But the Amazon version will be coming out um, hopefully this week. Fingers crossed, some final things to sort out. And for those of you that want a digital copy or a paperback, if you buy the paperback and you want a digital copy, I'm sure we'll work out something for you to get a copy of that yes, as well. Sir. And, and if you do enjoy it, tell two friends to tell two friends because they'll enjoy it as well. Murph, Please. you mentioned merch. You might notice that I've got my Bills hat on today. Yeah. That's because today's returning guest is a part of the Bills Mafia. Listen, he's the lead fantasy analyst for the score and the 2019 Fantasy Pros champion for most accurate expert ranker. He's maintained, that's really difficult to say without being not safe for work. He's, he's maintained a top 10 finish for the past nine years. Justin Boone, baby. Welcome back to Five Yard Man. How are you doing? I'm I'm doing really well, guys. I'm I'm glad to be talking to you again. I think yeah, I think we talked last summer before the season. And, we did. Uh, as much as it hurts to hear you say 2019 most accurate expert. Now that we're through <laughs> 2020, I wasn't able to get the repeat there. But uh, you know, like you said, I've I've been uh, really fortunate in that contest. I mean, I, I finished again in the top seven. That's seven straight years now. I was in the top seven and four straight years in the top five and you know the the resume kind of kind of speaks for itself at this point so it's been a a really interesting year I mean the the season there was a lot of kind of twists and turns and speed bumps that I don't know if any of us expected Um, (laughs) but it 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 worked out and I know another another solid fantasy year and things are great I mean the score is doing really well right now Uh, not just the main app we have uh, the score bet our betting app and that keeps growing we have the score esports so we're kind of just quietly taking over the world over here but it's great to be back on with you guys uh it's good to have you on and and listen hey who would have thought it when we spoke last summer you as a Bills fan me as a Buccaneers fan both of our teams made the conference championship game. We I had mean, a chance. If, if you told both of us that that was going to happen, we'd have gone, no, never going to happen. Never, never are the Bills or the Buccaneers <laughs> going to be in their title games. And uh, yeah, I mean, unbelievable season by Josh. We love Josh Allen. We're Josh Allen fans. We have been since, since this first season. And I'm so pleased. I think we talked about this when you were last on. So we're so pleased that, he has managed to silence everybody who just goes, he can't throw, he's wild, he's, you know, <laughs> he's not good enough, he shouldn't have been taken at seven. Uh, like, I'm so pleased that we can put to bed this whole Josh Allen isn't any good. Um, well, and it's a good example of, you know, even someone like myself, I'm, I'm, you know, one of the most accurate out there. We don't know everything. We don't get everything right. That is for fantasy. That's the draft analyst. That's the NFL scouts, right? There's, these teams 
are missing on players all the time. The draft community, we're getting things wrong all the time. So to see Josh Allen or, you know, Justin Herbert was kind of another example last year where a lot of people were out on him and then he just shows up and, you know, unbelievable, maybe a a top five quarterback in the league already. And now the Chargers look like they're contenders and going to be for a while. So it's a good reminder that, you know, as, as solid as we can be about this stuff, that there's a lot of things that we can uncover along the way and might not turn out exactly as we expected. (laughs) And I'm very happy because in dynasty, I don't normally make those, those Homer trades, and a couple of years ago, I decided to overpay to get Josh Allen on my team. And he hadn't, this was two years ago. So it was before he kind of had even last year's solid, two years ago, solid season. Um, and I overpaid for him. I think it was Austin Eckler and Michael Gallup and Matthew Stafford. I want to say there was a bunch of things. And now that trade's looking all right. I mean, Josh Allen's going off the board as the, the second pick in most dynasty mm. startups. So uh, I got lucky there because at the time my mentality definitely factored in that I kind of just want Josh Allen on my team. Cause if this works out, it's going to be a lot more fun watching those bills games. But now we've seen, like you said, the bills games, it's not even a pain watching them anymore. It's really exciting. We're winning <laughs> all these games and, you know, maybe we'll be able to knock off the chiefs this year and the bucks look like they're, Gonna have a pretty good shot after bringing back all those players, so maybe we'll get a shot to see each other in the Super Bowl this season. I'd love that. I mean, obviously, it's not going to be in Ray J, and I'm gutted they couldn't get over there for it. But yeah, I just think it, it's it's so good to see the Bills are one of those teams since the '90s with the four straight Super Bowl losses. It was kind of I know Tyrod kind of got you snuck in with the eight and eight season with the Bengals doing a favor, but it's good to see the Bills back because I just think the league is a better place. Bills fans are phenomenal. You see some of the great. Um, tailgates that they put on and every time you speak to a Bills fan the passion of it so I, I think it's fantastic and and I'm gutted because now that the secret's out on Josh Allen I'm not going to own as much of him I, I had 40% <laughs> coverage on my teams last year and I play a lot of teams a 40% coverage of Josh Allen last year and I'm not going to have that coverage this year because you're going to need to take him in, in the fifth round. I still even think then people are going to take him before then. And yeah, it's probably, I think the merit is to get, to get him. And, but I think there's a group there that you can get in that range five in five, six that you want to take at quarterback. And I normally jump at quarterback around like the ninth, 10th. I think last year for Josh Allen, he kind of snuck up into like the eighth round. Eighth, ninth, Um, was, yeah. But yeah, he was the guy last year that I I ended up on a lot of redraft teams with him. And now this year, we're going to have to find who's the next guy going to be. You know, I feel like fantasy managers are getting a lot smarter with that, though. And you see these Mm. guys like whether it was Kyler Murray last year or this year, it seems like, you know, Jalen Hurts. These guys' ADPs are already skyrocketing. You know, you don't necessarily get the 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 discount on them, but like a Justin Herbert or players like that, there's always going to be somebody at quarterback. That's why everybody's got to play in two quarterback and super flex leagues. That's the way you got to go now. Well, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm going to hang my hat out there and think that I, I've got Trey Lance to play very, very early in my projections, and maybe we'll talk about him later on. But he's my late round guy. Um, I think for this year is I'd like to get, I'd love to get, I talked about it in the book to try and get the the quarterback around that five, six turn. I want to get one of those guys, but if Lance is cheap enough, I'd love to have him as my second option in case of you get like a Dak injury that kind of just, you know, if you were the Dak owner, you took Dak in the sixth round, seventh round last year, and then you didn't take another quarterback you were kind of stuffed. Your season was very difficult in a one QB or two QB league. Whereas I think you've got someone like Lance there who 
I think will be slept on a lot because people won't expect him to play. And I think he's going to play a lot sooner than most people will, will expect at this stage if you're doing drafts around about now. But we're going to see a lot of quality rookie quarterbacks come in and guys who, because the rushing ability, have a chance to crack that top 12, right? So it's going to be really interesting to see. Absolutely. And then not only that, you've got Joe Burrow, whose injury concern is pushing him down. And he's now got, you know, chases that weapon. They did draft a couple of offensive line people. So that that's going to help. It just depends whether he's going to be fit for week one. But I think his ADP will be lower than perhaps it should be with the power he has around him to, to put up the fantasy numbers. But Justin, you know, have you noticed any trends from your 2020 fantasy season that you found from your teams last year that you think maybe that will that will accelerate into 2021? uh i mean it's i feel like this when it's more top of mind in january it's like easier to think up this stuff um what did i learn last year i mean i learned you talked about wearing a bills hat not wearing a red hat today i rocked a a red hat uh, during one of our live streams last year and (laughs) someone told me i look like fred dirt so that's not exactly who i was going forward a comparison there so i uh, i learned to never wear a red hat when we're doing videos um a little bit of red i guess around the bills logo but that's it um I don't know. I feel like when it comes to like things that I've learned, I feel like it's more, it's more dynasty stuff now that I'm learning. I feel like five, six, seven years ago, I wasn't as big into dynasty and now I've just completely fallen for it. I mean, it's my favorite type of of fantasy league to play. Um, So, you know, whether it's, you know, looking at some of the aging players, I think that's an area where I've had to readjust now. Um, you know, a guy like Tom Brady, where it was like, okay, maybe the wheels are falling off here. <laughs> it's 43 years old. There's not much value there. I ended up trading for Brady at the end of last season on a couple of contenders. And I traded for him just thinking, you know, it's probably going to be this year. And then maybe if they win it, he retires or something like that. And now you start to look at it and go, maybe get another season out of Brady, maybe two more years out of Brady. Who knows? Um, Aaron Rodgers was another guy that we were looking at him going 37 wasn't really the talent I don't think we were worried about but the system there I think we were a little bit concerned that that was going to be an issue that LaFleur kind of was limiting what he could do and then he comes out last year and you know MVP at 37 so just realizing that uh, some of these quarterbacks there's a lot more longevity there and whether it's because they're taking better care of themselves you know when you look at a guy like or a couple guys like uh, you know Russell Wilson Matt Stafford guys who are in their early 30s 32 33 and maybe when you're talking about dynasty you would have wanted to move on from those guys pretty soon and now you look at it you go maybe they could play seven eight nine more years. who knows right like you could still get a lot of value there while people are still viewing them as guys who you know, maybe are, are getting over the hill. Um, and I love Stafford. I mean, going into that Rams situation, we saw what McVay could do with Jared Goff. I think Jared Goff's going to be a disaster going to the Lions now without McVay in his ear. <laughs> and on the flip side, you have Stafford going to McVay. I think it's going to be just a dream. Maybe the best situation that, that Stafford's been in. I know he had Calvin Johnson a while ago, and that was pretty good for him too. It was pretty <laughs> easy to just toss it up to Calvin and let him get things done. But that's going to be a, a great situation, a, a really good offense. Um, so yeah, that would be one area. I mean, I feel like you could do like a a whole show on this stuff. If you talk about like the, the team construction, I think a a few years ago, I used to really look at it and go, okay, I want to make sure I get some good receivers early. And I feel like I could find a lot of value in running back later on. Uh, I noticed last year that with a lot of my teams and I don't go in with a specific approach to any draft, I just kind of, I let value fall to me and I kind of adapt along the way. And I noticed last year, the most successful strategy I had was getting one really solid running back early. So whether that's first round, second round, you try to get that 
workhorse guy who can just lock down your RB1 position. And then you invest and you get that elite tight end. You spend a few picks early and get some quality receivers. And you leave, we already talked about quarterback a little bit. I like to wait until later. But you leave your RB2 spot as the one spot that you are going to just focus on addressing throughout the season and later in your draft, trying to see if you can hit on one of those, you know, zero RB type guys. Um, And that was a strategy that I ended up being really successful with last year. I mean, whether it was James Robinson, whether it was, you know, Cam Akers, some of those guys that came on later in the year, even like a David Montgomery, who I'm not the biggest fan of, but he got hurt right before the season. People were concerned how much time he was going to miss. And I got him in like the eighth round of a bunch of drafts. And as we know, as the year went along, got helped out that Tariq Cohen getting hurt allowed Montgomery to get uh, some more receiving work. But oh, and the schedule, the schedule, and the, the schedule the was so easy as the year went along too. But you you get a guy like that that in the second half of the season all of a sudden turns into a really quality RB two on your team, put up some RB one weeks. So uh, that was a strategy, I guess. That if you're talking about trends. That's something that as much as I don't go in with a specific approach, that might be one that I'm more than willing to fall back on this year. I really like that, actually. I think that's a a smart way of looking at it because I think I always think about there's a line of demarcation at at running back where you get past RB20 and then everyone is a bit of a much of a muchness. It's that race to the bottom of RB2. And it's like, well, how important is these guys? And it's like, do you get two of those guys? Do you get three of those guys? And then do you reach? And you have to really think about it through the through the draft. The thing that you you got my attention there was was tight end early. Now, given the state of the tight end position now, how first of all, how many guys do you think are worthy? Because if I, I look at trends of drafts, and I think those middle round tight end guys have not panned out for years. Those fifth round, sixth round, you know, we're going back to the Evan Engram and OJ Howard days two years ago. Everyone was like, let's grab these guys for whatever reason didn't work last season. All right, Darren Waller was in that range and that did hit. But Kittle, Ertz, Andrews, all right, Andrews was top five, but really he was so ordinary. It was a bit meh to tight end five and tight end 10 didn't really make any difference. You didn't get a positional advantage. Who, who for you is like that tight end early guy? Obviously Kelsey goes without staying, but who else is in that? I could take them in the first four or five rounds and and be happy. And then where's that line where you just go, I'll just leave it. If we're talking about those elite guys, you really want to try to find the guys who could potentially be like the number one target on their team, regardless of what's happening at receiver. And I mean, this is going to be obvious, but those three at the top, your, your Kelsey, your Kittle, your Waller, like, yeah, like those guys are by far the elite. Those are the guys who I'm talking about when I'm saying pay up and they're really the only ones if, and I totally agree with you with those, you know, middle round guys can be kind of a nightmare um, and you can kind of waste some value picking them. But there is one guy in that range this year, TJ Hawkins. Now, as much as I said, I'm worried about Jared Goff. Mm. Let's look at the lions and what I just said, right? What's going on in that receiving core? People are getting excited about Amonra St. Brown, who yeah, is a prospect that I like, but we're also talking about a day three guy, you know, want to talk yourself into Brashad Perriman. Like these are dart throws (laughs) that I, I would take those shots late in the draft and throw them at the end of my bench. And maybe they emerge as the wide receiver one there, but also let's not forget that a couple of years ago, we were talking about TJ Hawkinson as one of these complete tight end prospects, maybe not like the you know, generational, if you want to call you know Kyle Pitts, yeah. that it's a over overused word, but 
maybe not that, but a guy that's coming in with just a, he came in with a, a complete profile. He can do it all an excellent talent. And we've seen him flash it so far. And we know normally tight end does take, you know, a couple of years for them to come around. I'm looking at him this year going, that guy could get just a ton of targets and that could be enough to put him up the talent and the targets to put him up into that elite range. So he might be the only one of those other guys that I would look at. And then after that, I'm guessing Kyle Pitts in redraft, his value is going to go through the roof just because he's such an exciting player. (laughs) So his ADP is probably going to be way too high for me to even, he's going to end up in that middle range with those guys. And I, yeah, I haven't projected, I believe it was like tight end seven, tight end eight, Mm. kind of low end tight end one, but numbers that aren't anywhere close to the elite guys, right? Like if he puts up 600 yards this year, and I think that was my early projection for him around 650 or something like that. That's a phenomenal year for a first year tight end. And yet still, that's not going to put him anywhere near those elite guys, right? So if they trade Julio, if that still ends up happening before the season, then maybe we could talk about bumping Pitts up even a little bit more. Mm. But right now, I'm not looking at Pitts. So then at that point, then you're just going to start throwing darts at, at later round guys like Tyler Higby, trying to attach myself to Matthew Stafford or some of those other late Jordan, round guys that have a shot. Yeah, yeah there's, a, there's a ton in that range. And there has been for a couple of years now, and no the Chris Herndon's of the world don't always pan out. And uh, that's when I got wrong a couple of years ago, but um, you can take your shot on those guys. And the, the risk is just zero when you're getting them near the end of your draft. But if you, if you buy the Twitter hype, because he's Chris Herndon four and it's his fourth year and, the, <laughs> and, and we have the coaching staff coming over now who rely heavily on tight ends. This is the year for Chris Herndon. Yeah. Free from Adam Gase. It's the year for everybody. <laughs> Sam Darnold, everybody. They're going to have their career seasons. We're going to have their career years lined up. I love that. I think, uh, yeah, it's interesting. I, I just, I, I don't know. Well, Stocks knows this. I just, I, I can't pay up for the tight end position. Kelsey is now in that position where I would, I would pay up for Kelsey and he's someone that I would consider just because his numbers are elite wide receiver numbers. For me, you're getting an elite. I mean, he was, the number three, number four wide receiver on the season last year with his numbers. Like you're looking at those sorts of numbers. It's, it's a no brainer, but I can't buy anyone else. So I, I'm literally the advocate for just dump the tight end position and just pick up because there's always bargain basement guys. Every year there's a bargain basement guy who you can get for free or very late in the draft and you can, you can hit. And I think there's so many guys this year, that are but more the, candidates the thing that been. I've changed on that for me is while those guys are definitely like serviceable and they're good plug and play options and the value is there. Yeah. You just mentioned with Kelsey, if you're getting a guy that's putting up like wide receiver one fantasy mm. numbers from your tight end position, or even wide receiver two, which you can get from those top three guys, it's such an advantage week to week. And that's why I'm willing to do it. And also because I think receivers a position now that's so deep mm. that in the fifth, you look at ADPs right now. In the fifth round and the sixth round, you're getting really quality receivers. Brilliant players, yeah. and yeah, that's because everybody wants to go running back early because that drops off, drops off so fast. Some of those quarterbacks are sneaking up into those early rounds, and you have those elite tight ends going off the board, and it pushes those receivers down. So I think that's why if I'm gonna push back the the running back two position as the one spot that I'm willing to kind of spend the early part of the season trying to find somebody and figure out or just figured out along the way. And then, you know, later in the season, try to grab that rookie that's going to have that late breakout or something like that. And then if I think I can find that value in the middle rounds at receiver, then yeah, let's spend a a second or a third round pick on a tight end and just kind of set it and forget it. And then you don't have to worry 
and every week you're gaining, you know, 10, maybe 15 points on your opponent at that position. Because a lot of those guys, like somebody like Mike Gusecki last year, who finished as a pretty good tight end, tight end one, I believe, um, a guy like that, it's really inconsistent. You know, you have a week where Devontae Parker goes out and yeah, he scores two touchdowns, but then Gusecki had weeks where he was putting up next to nothing, right? Mm -hmm. So you can't feel good about that guy. You could end up getting five points or less while your opponent's putting up 15, 20 points at that position. It's, it's hard to, to overcome that. Um, and that's a, a spot where, yeah, if you hit on the, the Darren Waller, if you hit on, you know, one of those guys that in their, you know, Evan Ingram in his rookie season where everybody else in the team gets hurt and now he blows up. Yeah, that's fantastic. But that is very rare to see that happen. And that's why I've kind of changed my tune on that a little bit. While I still like the value that you get late, I'm just realistic about the ceiling there to get a guy late you're probably not getting into that top three, you know, maybe get to the top five or, you know, the top 10. Um, but it's, it's not going to make up the advantage that you would get from one of those elite guys. Yeah. Well, yes and no. I mean, I, so <laughs> I write a streaming column, Justin, I'm going to, I'm going to toot my own horn here a little bit and take a victory lap. So I write a stream column every week where I pick a free agent who is less than 30% owned on waiver wires, according to ESPN ownership. And I stream the tight end three which normally I'd be doing cartwheels for. But actually, when you look at the fact that it still gave up close to 100 point advantage over the season. So you're looking at giving up, you know, four or five points a game to Kelsey and a little bit less to to Waller. It still does give up that advantage. I guess what I'm saying is that it's basically just don't draft the, tight, the middle tight end guys because yeah. okay. we can agree on that for sure. Yeah, we can agree on that. Because I think you can stream, you can stream to some effect, and you can stream above the people who do draft other tight ends. It's just that you are right; it does pay to have that. It's, I guess, what I'm saying is Kelsey's the only one I feel like you can lock in a projection. Waller, age, you know, going to an age 30 season. Yes, okay, he's got slightly less tread. John Gruden is weird. Um, I've never trust John Gordon and and being a Bucks fan for as long as I have been, you can never trust him to do the same thing consistently every year. Cause if he did, the Buccaneers would have won multiple playoff games under him when they didn't. Um, and then you go Kittle durability issues, but maybe still worth it. Yeah. I think it's interesting, but I I do think you can get a top three at the position. If you stream, you've just got to be really good at it and look at the matchups. It has to be matchup dependent and you have to hope that the rest of the league follow that tight end set and forget kind of model. Oh, well, I'll just take a a Logan Thomas because he will be tight end six or seven and he'll be fine. Um, or I'll take Russell, you know, Tanyan this year, because if he's got Rogers, he'll be a six or seven, and I'll just play him and he'll be fine. You can it find might sound it. daunting to do that. Like you just said, that's a lot of effort to put in every week trying to figure out that guy. But the other thing that people got to remember when, whether streaming quarterbacks, streaming tight ends, whatever, maybe you land on that guy early in the season. Maybe yeah. week four, you find that guy that all of a sudden, yeah, now I can roll with Logan Thomas here, whether it's for a month, whether it's for the rest of the year. Um, so it might not be a, an all season kind of grind trying to find that guy every week. You might end up one week coming across the guy that ends up. Yeah. Robert Tanya or whoever, who ends up finishing as a a pretty solid, you know, tight end one. And now you got your guy the rest of the year. Well, a lot of, a lot of my rosters had Tanya and Thomas and I was alternating them on matchups. And if you combine their matchups, um, across the season, 
Um, and I couldn't do this for the stream column because they went over 30% owned at some point. But I actually tracked if you had both of those guys, you took them week one and you alternated them for optimum matchup play. Um, more often than not, you would actually only be about, I think it was 3.2 points a game behind Kelsey, but you're actually only 1.8 points a game off behind Waller. And you were significantly over every other tight end in the league by like five or six points or more. So you, but that's not going to happen every year um, <laughs> because the rest of the position isn't going to be as bad as it was last year. And, and I do think that in two, three years time, there is going to be a renaissance at the position where actually you're going to have all these good young tight ends, fans, Hawkinson's, Pitts, you know, you're going to have quite a few. I think Troutman's going to work out. I think there's a few guys now. Gazicki, if he gets a new landing spot with that freakish athletic testing, if he gets the right role and development, he could pan out. You end up might get 16 or 18 decent tight ends in the league and the scoring might elevate. And I'm really waiting for that because it's such a valuable position. But And the copycat like league too, right? Like if, if Kyle Pitts comes in and blows it up, Every team is going to be trying to who's the next Kyle Pitts. I and this year, I mean, it was who's the next James Robinson was all you know the the rage after the draft. It's going to be who's the next Kyle Pitts, and teams are going to be taking tight ends higher. And that's just kind of that's how it works, right? Speaking of, of which, thing. I'm just going to interject because I've just had a score app notification. Oh, exciting! Up, uh, that that the Jags are going to sign Tim Tebow as a tight end, oh so the next God. great tight end has joined the league. <laughs> Oh my God, that is that's that is awful. literally breaking. It just popped up on my on my screen that the app notification that, pushed to me. That is a nightmare, and there's going to be a, a way too much written about him for a guy that's probably going to be cut in the preseason. <laughs> so I don't know that we need to spend too much time talking about Tebow. Everyone's going to compare him to Taysom Hill now, and is he going to steal from Trevor? I can see the headlines already. It's just rolling <laughs> through my head, but. Uh, yeah, in uh, in fantasy, do not worry about Tim Tebow. We don't have to worry about him at all. <laughs> but nice plug for the score app there because it popped I up. I appreciate straight. that. Everybody <laughs> should download the app. Everybody should sign up for the alerts because, yeah, normally when I'm doing my podcast, especially when I did the live shows during the season, I used to just hold the phone right here in front mm-hmm. of me because, yeah, it was like Friday when I'd normally do them and you'd have all the injury news rolling out. Yeah. And, yeah, uh, so it's it's very beneficial to have that, whether you're on a podcast like this, whether you're at work, whatever, getting those alerts can help. Absolutely. So, Justin, let's, did you enjoy the draft, first of all? How did you feel about the draft overall? Oh, I mean, I, I love the draft every year. One of the things I love about the draft, too, is that after the draft, that's the time when you can really get excited because now we know, right? There's so much speculation before the draft, where a guy's going to go, ideal landing spots, all that stuff. And then the draft just puts everything into the snow globe and just shakes it up. And now it's completely different, you know, in the days right after. So that's the most fun I have trying to, to figure that stuff out and what that means for, for fantasy this year and how teams are going to change and, you know, who might still make moves before the season because they didn't address certain things at the draft, you know, like the, the Denver Broncos, let's say with quarterback, are they actually going to go for Aaron Rodgers? You know, something like that. Are we going to see something like that happen? Um, so yeah, I, I love the draft. It's, it's one of my favorite times uh, every year. And I think it's because of that, right? I love when things are changing free agency, the draft, uh, because it totally shakes up the landscape and, and now we have to figure everything out all over again. 
we've got on the show notes here the draft outcomes non-fantasy but i guess being both fantasy podcast based this is going to cross back to fantasy pretty quickly Probably. and i i appreciate on friday you did a winners and losers pod so rush nation if you haven't gone and listened to that it's definitely worth a listen i listened to it this morning and unfortunately i think you must have put it out just before the carry on johnson news dropped because you were talking about the philly backfield and then <laughs> never actually mentioned carry on because it wasn't a thing until after the pod came out but well, either that or he's just not going to be a thing anyways <laughs> yeah yeah i know i was just i was sitting there listening thinking oh man justin that's that's unfortunate for your timing of pod because it must have dropped just after you put it out but anyway i mean do you have any personal big winners or losers from the draft yeah i mean there's there's so many and i appreciate you mentioning the podcast because that's probably the best way to kind of to hear all my thoughts on all those guys um I mean, you said if, if you want to go more like NFL based and not just fantasy, but yeah, we're obviously going to talk about fantasy along the way. Um, I thought the Chargers had an excellent draft and I feel like we get sucked in every single year to saying, look at the talent on the Chargers roster. Oh my God, they're going to be contenders this year. And then, you know, so many guys end up getting hurt on that team. And, you know, that's what we've seen for so many years, but um, I really love what they did. I mean, going and getting uh, a guy who can protect Herbert, mm. um, like Rashawn Slater, the tackle in the first round, uh, that's a great pickup for them. In the second round, Asante Samuel Jr., adding to that secondary, you're in a division and, and you're in a, a conference where you know you got to get through some of these big passing attacks like the Chiefs and, hey, like the Bills too, right? We're right up there now, um, throwing the ball all the time and never seeming to want to run it. So, um yeah, I thought the, those were great pickups for them. Even a guy like Josh Palmer, a little later, a guy that might be a little more of a project, but who could be a replacement for Mike Williams, a guy who maybe could work his way in this year. We saw Justin Herbert was so good that he was making guys like Tyron Johnson and Jalen Guyton. These guys were like fantasy relevant at times last mm-hmm. year. So yeah, mm-hmm. Palmer's somebody you should be excited about as a guy that could maybe emerge there in that offense. I love the Bears going up as much as we thought the the end was near for that front office. This might be the kind of move getting Justin Fields trading up. This might be able to save their jobs and whether that's deserving or not. um, I thought they had a really good draft, you know, getting Justin Fields. It just, it gives them hope because they were going into the season with Andy Dalton and not that there wasn't any hope, but come on. Like, it's just, it was like last year, right? Where you're going in and it's, it's Foles and it's Trubisky And you just kind of know before the year starts, and I bet the players know too, you don't have a chance, right? You're never going to overcome that. And now at least you have that guy in fields that is the dual threat guy, you know, is really a more talented player than the 11th overall pick. I'm stunned. And, you know, teams like the Panthers, I know that they kind of, you know, put all their chips on Sam Darnold here, but I'm, I'm stunned they didn't go after him. I'm stunned the Broncos didn't do it unless they, you know, are still planning to try to make that run at Aaron Rodgers. Like I said, um, Fields seemed like a, an obvious pick for them. And I don't want to knock them too much because, you know, they still got a good player. But, um, you know, the Bears, it's just looking really good for them. And if you want to talk about fantasy, it it bumps up the, the outlooks for Allen Robinson. It bumps up the outlooks for Darnell Mooney as one of those later guys who could emerge, maybe have a, you know, Deion Johnson, a Deontay Johnson type year. Um, even Cole Komet at, at tight end. Uh, they don't seem to want to get rid of Jimmy Graham, but Cole Komet is the future at tight end for them. So, um, you know, I, I really thought that that they were the those two teams in particular stood out for me as big winners overall. Um, even getting like uh, tackled Tevin Jenkins right in the the second round that that helps them as well. Um, so yeah, the the Bears were Bears were big winners. Um, if you want me to throw out a couple of losers, I mean, 
I feel like I'm just going to pile on here, but I know the Giants traded down and they got picks and, and that's great. And it was actually a smart move probably to do that. But then to turn around and take Kadarius Tony 20th overall, it didn't make any sense. It didn't make sense from the standpoint of it's a position that you're already pretty good at, right? Like you have Galladay, you have Darius Slayton, Sterling Shepard. That's a decent core. You even have somebody like, like John Ross, who maybe, maybe he can give you something. And I know Tony is going to be probably a better real life weapon for them than a fantasy one. Cause he'll be able to work in and give them some explosiveness on that offense. But to spend the 20th overall pick when it's a team that they need help at that offensive line, like they, mm-hmm. if they really want this to work out. And I know that you watch these other teams like, like the bills and they surround their young quarterback with talent and they go out and they get him the, the Stefan Diggs last year to help him get to the next level. Yeah. That is a great way to do things. But you also have to keep working on that offensive line. And Daniel Jones is somebody that when he's under pressure, he's not the same quarterback. So if you could fortify that line, that might be able to make the difference for him, especially when you've already spent on somebody like Galladay. So, um, yeah, I wasn't very (laughs) impressed by what by what the Giants did there at all. That was another one for me. And then the Rams kind of in the same boat. I mean, I know they didn't have a first round pick, but Tutu Atwell to, to use your first pick, which was in the second round at a position where you're already doing pretty well with Robert Woods and Cooper cup and, you know, Van Jefferson, and you go out and get Deshaun Jackson, you're okay at wide receiver. I think they could have done themselves a favor by getting a lineman there or really addressing any other position, but I think the offensive line still needs some help there. So uh, the Rams were another team that I was kind of surprised that even not having a first round pick that they decided to do the things that they did in the draft. And not just that, but they drafted, yeah, drafted three wide receivers. It's, I mean, yeah. I mean, like, it's like, how many more wide receivers do you want on that team? You're going to yeah, have to like count Jacob one Harris, I think they're going to move Harris to tight end, but yeah, like it's it's so strange that you're you're going to invest that much capital in that when you have other needs on your team. And I think just Matthew Stafford showing up and telling everybody, this is going to be huge. It might not be Peyton Manning going to the Broncos, but this is going to be massive for fantasy. That, that mm-hmm. offense is going to be fantastic this year. Yeah, and you mentioned the charges. So someone in my Buccaneers WhatsApp group, UK Buccaneers fans WhatsApp group, shout out to those guys who have been terrific, um, shared with me that um, the Chargers are going to win the Super Bowl this year um, because uh, Tampa Bay finished the 2019 season 7-9, and nine, drafted an offensive tackle at 13, drafted a defensive back in the second round who was named after his all-pro father, <laughs> And then proceeded to win the Super Bowl in their own stadium that season. The Chargers finished the 2020 season 7-9. and nine, Drafted Reshawn Slater in the 13th overall pick. Drafted Asante Samuel Jr. in the second round. And Super Bowl 56 is going to be played at SoFi Stadium. So we don't need to play the stadium. We don't need to play the stadium. <laughs> so if that happens, I think that's uh, probably proof that we're in a simulation, right? I yeah, think exactly that would right. Be, yeah, I think that would prove that at that point. The Madden is basically running the NFL for sure. <laughs> so, yeah, the Chargers, so I don't know what the odds are in Vegas. If you're a betting person, uh, go lump some money on the Chargers. It's going to happen, <laughs> according to Reddit. <laughs> sure. I just love the fact that someone actually put all of that together more than anything. It's just like the astrology version of, of, <laughs> yeah. of NFL advice. Yeah. Who's yeah. who's Who's... Who's putting all these things together at the same time? Like, who's who's lining these up and thinking, you know, working out that they're all the same? 
Because he must have gone through loads of different charges to fan. get to. Obviously, yeah, but, a charges but, fan. That's not the first cheap. five things you come to, is it? You have to go through an entire <laughs> list of things that might marry up and come out with the ones that do. That must have taken for absolute forever. I mean, Justin, let's get back to some fantasy. Let's talk some All rookies. Right. The drafts happened. Now we know where everyone is for the moment. Who have you got? You know, at the one hundred and one right now for each position in in your rookie drafts. Okay, so I mean, it's it's pretty obvious for a couple of them, right? You're looking sure. at Trevor Lawrence at quarterback. If you're looking at uh, super flex leagues, two QB leagues, you got to take Lawrence first overall. And in some of my leagues, even teams that were completely set at quarterback, they still went with Trevor Lawrence because mm. that's, it's the pick that you'd have to make in a, a super flex league. And the one thing that I think is not being talked about enough is, is the connection there with Daryl Bevel. Um, Bevel had a lot of success with right, he's the offensive coordinator in, in Jacksonville. Now a lot of success with Russell Wilson as a rookie when they were in Seattle together. Uh, Wilson, I believe finished his quarterback 11 in fantasy points per game that year. Um, and then we know after that, I mean, so much success with Wilson, multiple top five fantasy finishes with Matt Stafford, a completely different type of quarterback. When he went to the lions, Bevel had success with him, uh, top five fantasy finish with Stafford there. So, um, I think that's a, a pretty good marriage. Um, I like the weapons that they have. So yeah, Trevor Lawrence, and we talked about it a bit earlier, like Trevor Lawrence could legitimately legitimately flirt with top 12 fantasy numbers this year because he can run a little bit. Um, and like I said, I, I like the weapons, even adding uh, Travis Etienne, somebody who's like so explosive out of the backfield. Um, really like him there. Um, Kyle Pitts, obviously the the number one tight end. So no no questions asked on that one. Um, at wide receiver and the guy who would be my one-on-one if it was a single quarterback league is Jamar Chase just has superstar written all over him, right? Like this is a guy that if he had played last season um, and, you know, he didn't, he opted out and that's fine. But if he had played last season, I think people would be much, much higher. And I know they're already so high on him, but I think this is a guy who's coming out who's like as close to a sure thing as you could possibly get. And we're lucky that it seems like there's a couple of those guys in this draft and the guys that I just mentioned too. Right. So um, being matched back up with Burrow in an offense, that's going to throw a lot. Um, just uh, love chase. I mean, like I said, I, I see him just uh, superstar numbers, maybe even right away. Like that's the kind of guy that could hit the ground running and then running backs. The that's the only tough one. Um, I think it was very top heavy this year. Um, there were three guys that, I think everybody kind of agrees we're the top three and, and Najee Harris and, and Etienne um, and Javante Williams. Um, I have Harris just slightly over Etienne and that pained me to do, but I think just because the opportunity he's going to get early um, doesn't have very much competition at all. And I think the Steelers made that pick because they know that big Ben is, is falling apart here. They cannot continue <laughs> to throw as much. So they need to reestablish that run game and I little bit of a concern about that offensive line. Yeah, yeah. for sure. But I think he's going to get enough volume to, to put him at the top of that list. And, uh, and Etienne is still gonna be really good. He just edges him out. Like I said, I, anybody that has concerns about Travis Etienne, I mean, the guy is going to be phenomenal. Um, yeah. He's going to have to split a little bit. I don't think Carlos Hyde's going to be that much of a, a problem. If you think Carlos Hyde's going to be a problem, you were probably the same kind of person that thought that Hyde was going to be a problem for Nick Chubb and <laughs> all these other guys, right? Like uh, Hyde's not going to be an issue, even though he has that connection with, urban Meyer, but um, yeah, Robinson will still stay involved, but the explosiveness, the pass catching ability, uh, Travis Etienne in no time is going to be putting up pretty big numbers. So I like both those guys a lot near the top. Nice. And then did you have any rookies, a couple of rookies that perhaps you weren't so high on before the draft and then love where they got drafted to. Um, And then for rookie drafts, do you think, yeah, I'm going to go after those guys now? 
Yeah, somebody like I mentioned, Josh Palmer is somebody that I wasn't really looking at, but because, you know, that project kind of guy who falls into a really good situation and is now attached to uh, what I believe to be a really good quarterback. Um, he's a guy I would put on that list. Trey Sermon, I liked him before the draft. And, and you know, I look around and you have guys like Matt Waldman, football guys like Matt Waldman, the RSP. Uh, Matt, one of the best out there doing analysis when you're talking about these rookies. And he really liked Trey Sermon to the point where he had Sermon as his number one running back. And even though I didn't agree, I didn't even have him in my top three. You can't have somebody that, you know, you respect that much like Matt Waldman say something like that and not take that into account. Um, so then when you now match up, you know, somebody like that backing Sermon up with him landing in a running game that we know produces guys, uh, you know, 49ers and Kyle Shanahan's rushing attacks every single year coming through for us. So he would be a guy, you know, he, he moved up into that kind of fringe, you know, low end round one, high end, uh, high end round two pick. Um, and he's a guy that I think you got to put a chip on at this point. Like if, if he, if he falls to the early second round, I'm going to take him every time. And yeah, it might end up being the next Keyshawn Vaughn type situation, but I still think that's a, a bet that I'm willing to take. Um, and grabbing kind of all those guys in that backfield at this point in redraft leagues, um, it's probably going to move, you know, Raheem Mostert down. It's going to move Jeff Wilson down. Um, even Elijah Mitchell, who they took a little later in the draft, kind of like a, a younger Raheem Mostert, kind of a little bit of a clone there with a lot of speed. Um, I think, you know, you want to just put a chip on all those guys to see who comes through. And even if it's the guy you have, even if he isn't the one that's starting in week one, guess what? A couple weeks in could be an injury. We've seen so many guys emerge in that Shanahan rushing attack that it's just good to have those guys on your bench and on your roster. Yeah. I love Elijah Mitchell. I loved him watching him in my draft process of breaking down the rookies for the book. I absolutely loved him. And then when he got drafted late to the Niners, I was like, oh man, he's like the 37th running back they've got there now. But <laughs> like you say, Shanahan does use the running backs. And then if you've got anyone that you were really high on pre-draft process and then now you don't want to touch because of, of landing spot. I don't want to touch. I don't know if there's, you know, at some point in the draft, you're willing to take anybody if the value's there. But I was very sad, and this might be another obvious one, but I was very sad to see Rashad Bateman go to the Ravens. Mm. And I thought Bateman, you know, there were times that I wanted to move him up all the way to my wide receiver two in this class. Like, I just loved what we were seeing from him. Um, but going to the Ravens, and this isn't even a knock on Lamar Jackson, you know, maybe that passing attack becomes more efficient. But they're just not going to throw enough. I mean, last year, they were by far the last team in the league in pass attempts, like just over 400 pass attempts, I believe. Um, it's hard. It is going to be so hard for especially a young receiver to get enough volume. And you're already talking about you're going to have Mark Andrews there at tight end. He's going to get some work. Marquise Brown isn't just going to disappear. They're going to continue to use him. So, you know, to see Bateman get enough volume that he's really going to be fantasy relevant early on, mm. I don't think it's going to happen. It's more of a, you know, a dynasty player where you might have to wait a little while. Maybe that offense changes a bit. Maybe they don't commit to Lamar Jackson and they end up going a different direction at quarterback and the offense changes completely. Who knows? But right now, if you're looking at his immediate outlook, it's really bad news for Rashad Bateman. So that, that was one that I was very upset about. Um, and then even, you know, as much as you want to knock a guy like, like Tony, like seeing those guys go to teams, like if Tony went to the Packers, let's say, Maybe you'd be a little more excited that he could emerge as the number two there. But if he's going to a team where I don't see a situation where he's not like a gadget guy early on, when you have some of these other players that have produced already, um, it really hurts their value. So um, mm. 
yeah, there's a bunch of those guys I mean, we can mention, but if you want to look at like Bateman was someone I was so high on, um, trying to think if there's anybody else. I mean, Kenny Gainwell, I was kind of looking at like a, a second round rookie pick. And now I don't know. I mean, there's some people that probably still will pick him in that range. Um, but I'm not as excited when you see, they're just kind of throwing all the darts at the wall. I think Miles Sanders going to be the lead back. Maybe I have a little more faith in him than some other people, but uh, then I'm you have you. Gainwell. They bring back Jordan Howard. You mentioned earlier, carry on Johnson. Uh, you know, he's there. I don't think carry on has that much left in the tank here. I think injuries have kind of sapped him at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, didn't really impact that backfield much last year. Um, but it, with the lions I'm talking about, but um, in that backfield, even Boston Scott's still there. And he's a guy who's been able to step up at times. So I don't know that Gainwell is just a you know guy who is going to be able to get a lot of, of volume right away, even in a backup role. Whereas if he had gone to one of these teams like the Jets or the Falcons or the Dolphins or somebody where we saw maybe more of an opportunity for him early, he's somebody that could have really risen up draft boards. Mm. I completely agree. I'm, I'm, I'm massive. See, last year I was out on Miles Sanders everywhere. Um, didn't like he was overdrafted far by by at least two rounds and couldn't I couldn't justify that price. But I think this time round, I think he's being slept on, and now he's going fifth round ADP, late fourth round ADP. I think he's one to watch this year. But I'm with you on Bateman as well because Bateman was actually my wide receiver two before the draft. I had I him kept, all the way. Every up time I did my update, I kept moving him up and yeah. moving him up. And it was like he was never going to pass Chase, but I'm with you. Like I wanted to put him right up there at wide receiver two. And and now, yeah, it's just the outlook's it's, not as exciting. No, it, it's really the point is now it's a toss up for me between him and Diami Brown. <laughs> That's how that I don't know if I'm going. that low on him. Okay. I don't know oh. if I'm that low, but yeah. Well, it's just a volume thing. But yeah, I think it's going to be, it's going to be interesting. And in terms of, um, this class in particular. Now, I the worry I think there there is is that every year about I think January time when people start digging into the class, people get very 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 excited, and people start buying late round picks and like get get that as a throw in and a trade. It's always useful, and then it comes to the after the draft, it gets to your rookie draft, and you think, oh man, I've got all these late round picks, and actually. There is only, what, 18, 20 guys that you really want in this draft, and we're pushing it there. If it's super flex tight and premium, you could probably get 25 players at a push. But who are those later round guys that you've mentioned a few, Josh Palmer, you've mentioned you know the running backs, but is there is there anyone really that really late in these rookie drafts, even if it's just a one QB format, that are worth just putting a chip on, and as you say, and and just taking a flyer on who think probably is getting criminally underslept on right now, who could, could break out. Well, along the lines of those late picks, like, I don't know how many rounds everyone does for their rookie drafts, but we do six rounds in in all the leagues that I'm in. Um, And if you're ever looking for proof that, you know, if you're talking to trade with somebody and they want you to throw in a fourth or a fifth, whatever round rookie pick, just give it away. It's like almost worthless. And I know that's terrible for me to say, but in, you know, I just did a, a rookie draft with a bunch of analysts and starting in the fourth round, people were just waving their picks. People were just passing and not even using them because the players on the roster were better than what was out there. Like, and you could look at it and say, well, maybe this wasn't a particularly deep draft class. Maybe other years it would be better. Yeah, for sure. It depends on the year, 
But I find that once you get past, you know, the third, even in the third round sometimes, but once you get past the third round, mm. you, it's really dart throws. And, you know, there's a good chance that those guys are going to be the first ones that you're dropping off your dynasty roster to pick up whatever the hot name is, you know, whether it's, hey, D.D. Westbrook just signed with somebody, just signed <laughs> with the Chiefs, let's say. Yeah. Oh, my God, everybody wants to get D.D. Westbrook just in case now. Um, those guys that you're getting late in drafts are going to be the ones that you're going to drop. So that's my first advice. Throw those in in trades. If it helps get over the hump and makes a deal, just do that. Don't worry about it. Don't sweat it. If you want to look at guys to take in that range, um, I don't know how high Chuba Hubbard's going to sneak now, but I like him winning that backup job. And we saw what Mike Davis did with that last year in Carolina. If Christian McCaffrey goes down, seems like Hubbard would be the guy there now. Um, and that's a little bit higher up. Maybe you're talking, you know, probably third round at that point for him. Um, and there were guys in that range, like Amon St. Brown, who I mentioned earlier, or Amari Rogers, who I think now could sneak into the second round, um, who I like as well. If you want to go, like, if we're talking now, like we're going to go really, really deep. Uh, some guys that I even picked, um, Javian Hawkins with the Falcons. Oh, you're, so, you're killing me. <laughs> okay. So he is, he's tiny. We, we know he's tiny. Okay, why, first of all, I want to hear, why am I killing you? Did you pass on him? No, no. I, um, I mean, I've done two rookie drafts so far, and I've got Javian Hawkins or, or uh, another guy whose name I won't mention until you bring him up. Uh, okay. No, Jared Dokes. I just think, I think he's got a chance to, to, get, to get some action. And next year, our, our producer, Lee, seems to think that he could be the guy next year. And I think as a, as a real late-round prospect, if you're going to grab him for absolutely nothing, it's, it's worth the pick. But I've got one draft left to go this evening, and I've got a pick later on, and Javian Hawkins is still there. But if I don't get the pick before this goes out, there's a chance somebody in the Rush Nation snipes me. So <laughs> thank you, Justin. Who, who's, who's picking we'll before him in that, that draft? We'll just cut that part out, and I'll talk about other guys. <laughs> oh, well, Justin, don't forget to mention who's picking before him in that draft. Oh no! Oh no! No, you're not in that draft. Oh, there is a draft where you've got the last pick, and I've got the one before you. Yeah, no, no, it's not that one. Well, and talking about Hawkins, I mean, really, for that one, yeah, he's a player that there's a lot of talent there. He went undrafted. I know. I think Chris Sims put out that there was something off field or something. That's why he went undrafted. But I'm guessing it was also his size, right? We we saw somebody. And I think you could look at him like a Philip Lindsay type, right? An undersized guy. I think Lindsay was like 190 pounds or something when he came in. Um, you're looking at Hawkins, even smaller than that. Who knows what he's going to be when the season starts? Maybe he puts on a little bit of weight and muscle at that point. But he weighed in, I believe it was 183 that he weighed in at. And he's about 5'8", 5'9". So not the biggest guy at all. But in that backfield, you only have Mike Davis. And as a Mike Davis manager in a lot of places – I don't necessarily want to see him lose that job, but you have to look at these backfields where things aren't completely set yet. And maybe that's where you put a chip down and that, that would be one of them, whether it's, mm. I mean, whether it's him, whether it's even uh, Caleb Huntley, who is another undrafted running back that they, they grabbed um, any of those guys could emerge. Mike Davis could get hurt. And all of a sudden yeah. one of those guys emerges. <laughs> so if you're talking about late round picks and you're just throwing it out there, um, those would be a couple guys. I think Dokes is right there as well. As much as everyone wants to say, well, it's Miles Gaskin's job. Yeah, I do think it's Miles Gaskin's job. But last year, we thought, well, it's got to be Jordan Howard and it's got to be Matt Breda. There's no way they're going to play Miles Gaskin over them because of draft capital and because free agency money and all that sort of stuff. And the Dolphins coaching staff, they're very much like the team they came from, the Patriots, where they're going to play whoever can produce for them. And they were more than happy to go, you know what? Gaskin's the guy that's actually picking up yards. We're going to roll with him. 
Um, a guy like Salvin Ahmed last year, who mm-hmm. also, when he got in there, didn't matter where he was taken. They just put him out there, gave him the start, gave him a ton of volume. So yeah, Dokes could be the next one. Dokes a little bit bigger than the guys on their roster too, right? I think he's weighing in over 220. Yep. So it could be a guy that could handle a, a bigger workload. Um, so yeah, I, I, I really like those guys. And, and the running backs are the ones that I would probably take the shot on because you can see their value skyrocket if, whether it's an injury, whether it's just performance, if they get bigger volume by you know stepping into a starting role, those are the guys where their value could go way up. Where there were other guys that I looked at, you know, in the later rounds, somebody like, you know, Cornell Powell going to the Chiefs. How long is it going to take him to, you know, learn that offense, to be comfortable in that offense? You're really just banking that Patrick Mahomes is going to lift him up because his profile as a prospect isn't that great. I don't think that's where you necessarily want to, you know, place your, your chips at, at that point. You want to take these guys that you're either going to know right away they're going to get opportunity or not, you don't want to sit here and wait for several years because you're not investing that much, right? And there's a good chance that you're going to want to just drop them and pick up the the hot name on the waiver wire. And that's how I like to play Dynasty. I like to churn the bottom of the roster quite a bit. And it's it's worked out for me, whether it's, you know, James Robinson or, or even Philip Lindsay, um, grabbing those guys, you know, before the season starts, when you start to hear those rumblings and just throwing them on your bench and, and having it work out, you, you get a lot of value from them. And going back to Hawkins, I think we could see something you know, maybe Dokes could be someone that could turn into a long-term starter. Hawkins is someone that I think it would be a short-term thing. I think he would have that kind of Philip Lindsay, you know, flash in the pan. He's going to come in and maybe be a starter for a year or two. And then they're going to bring in somebody else. Um, You know, whether it's because he's undrafted or whether it's because he's smaller uh, teams just normally aren't going to kind of hang their hat on those guys for too long. I completely agree. And, uh, so somebody who could get opportunity who's behind someone is Pat Freemuth at, at the Steelers now. Obviously, Eric Ebron's still there. But if Pat Freemuth somehow becomes, you know, he could be a decent, I know he's not a late round throw, but if you, I took him today because there wasn't anyone else who I thought provided the upside that he could possibly have at that point in the draft. I, when it comes to Dynasty, I do not want to spend rookie picks on tight end. Um, if you're talking about a guy, a first round pick or something, a guy like Hawkinson, a guy like Kyle Pitts, where they're coming in as just complete prospects. Okay. Maybe I'll wait on them at that point and hope that in a year or two, they can you know start to produce for my team. But when you're getting into, you know, the second, third, even later, I don't want to wait on those guys. It takes a while for those tight ends normally to produce and they don't always come through for you. Um, I would much rather wait. And let's say like this year grab a guy like Dawson Knox, who he's already gone through those couple of seasons developing. And right now he's the starter on the bills roster. And yeah, he hasn't done that much, but I'll grab him as my third tight end, as opposed to spending a rookie pick. And let's see early out of the gate. Is he going to be able to do anything? Is he getting, you know, red zone opportunities? Is he getting more targets? And if not, guess what? He's gone and kind of just quickly churn that. And really at tight end, I don't want to hold more than like two tight ends on my roster, to be honest. Um, and that's even in a deeper league, uh, just because that, that third tight end normally isn't going to be worth that much. I'm very quick to, if I have a solid starter, um, so in the league that I just did the, the rookie draft in, for example, um, I have, uh, George Kittle as my starter. I have Gronk who, uh, I acquired late last season for basically nothing, um, who maybe, you know, gives me another year of production here. Um, and then after that, it's like, do I, do I really need anybody else? I had Mike Mm -hmm. Gusecki. And I traded him away this offseason 
because you see what they're doing. They're adding all these guys, all these receivers in the draft. They're, you know, they get another tight end in Hunter Long. Gasicki's contract is coming up soon. I don't know that they see him in their plans. And when he's really stepped up, I think I mentioned it earlier, it's been these times when other guys have been hurt. There hasn't been that much target competition. But now when you have Parker and Waddle and Will Fuller, now you got another tight end breathing down his neck. Um, Gasecki's just the kind of guy that let's see what I can get for him and move along mm. because I had another starter at the position. So normally, even if it is Fryermuth, who I think is a pretty good prospect, I think it's going to be a year or two before we see anything from him. And I don't want to burn that roster spot on that, that guy who's going to need to develop for a couple seasons. I'd rather take a shot on a running back or a wide receiver that mm. I'm probably going to know a little sooner what I'm getting from them. And then I can make a decision and use that roster spot uh, on something you know better, or maybe they hit at a more valuable position than tight end. That's completely fair. That was a very long-winded way of Justin of telling me I made a terrible mistake. So thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> um, we, we mentioned uh, Lance and Fields earlier. When uh, and Murph said he thinks Lance is going to start pretty swiftly. How about you? How do you think the guys who are right now not starting on their rosters quickly, Lance and Fields specifically, how quickly do you think they're going to make it to the start position? They might have, might not have been named the starters yet, but let's. It's just a matter of time, right? It's going to be pretty quick. And I wouldn't be shocked if by week one, both those guys are starting. Um, You know, Garoppolo could still be traded. Doesn't seem like there's a lot of interest in him, but I think it's going to happen pretty quick here um, for all these rookies. I mean, yeah, we know Lawrence and and Wilson are going to start from day one, but uh, Mac Jones is the only one that I would be worried about. If you're looking at somebody starting this year, I think Cam could hold that job for a little bit longer. I think Mac Jones maybe needs a little more, uh, development. I also don't think he has that high of a ceiling, but if you're talking specifically about, uh, about Lance and fields, I think in my initial projections, I had Fields starting around week four and I had Lance around week six. Um, obviously that could change. And like I said, I would not be surprised at all if come week one, they're both starting. And it's because mm. Andy Dalton is not giving you that much upside. Um, we saw him come in last year. I know the offensive line had a ton of injuries, but we saw him come in last year into a, a really nice situation with Cowboys weapons and wasn't really able to get that much done. Um, so he's not going to be able to keep that offensive float. They're going to want to move to the guy that gives them that hope. Like I talked about earlier. And then Lance, Lance is a, a very, everything that I've, I've all the research I've done on Lance. He's a very smart prospect. He's a guy that gives them a completely different element in their offense. There's a reason why they moved up to get him, right? Like the the young quarterbacks that get taken in the top 10, top 15, they don't sit on the bench that long. And you can be sure the 49ers are excited with what he brings to that offense. Um, And another guy that, you know, if he had had a full season last year, maybe people would be a lot more certain about him coming in and starting right away. I think because he didn't play last year, people look at it and go, well, he's inexperienced, but the guy's going to have Kyle Shanahan in his ear. Um, they're going to get the most out of him and Garoppolo and Dalton. Those guys, they just limit the ceiling of the entire offense. So I, I don't expect those guys to stay in the, the starting roles for long, if at all, come come week one. Yeah, I'm with you 100%. I just can't, I can't see, especially, <clears throat> especially Garoppolo. I still think Garoppolo gets traded. And it would not shock me to see him somewhere. I keep thinking he is Denver's safety net. Oh, please no! That if they oh, miss wow. out, if they miss out on Rogers, <clears throat> and Watson's not available for whatever reason that's going on there, I, I think that it's clear, it's pretty clear that Denver are in for 
a veteran QB. They don't want to go down the rookie QB route again. I don't blame them considering how many bad rookie QBs they have drafted. Um, I think they'll look at it and I think they'll probably add Garoppolo as their, because you know, he's peanuts, you know, you can get him. It's not going to cost a lot to acquire Jimmy Garoppolo and he is better than Teddy Bridgewater and, and Drew Locke. I don't know about that. I don't know that he's that much better. <laughs> I, I mean, the crazy thing about that situation, and of course the Rogers thing kind of looms over all of it, but mm. the crazy thing about that situation. And one of the reasons I was so upset that they didn't take fields or someone is that's a great spot. Fantasy wise, that is a mm. fantastic landing spot for a quarterback. You get a solid quarterback in there with Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy and Noah Fant and, you know, Albert Kuiwunum and, you know, Javante Williams, you got all these guys there, all this town. KJ Hamler, just a phenomenal, phenomenal third receiver. Man, if you put a good quarterback in there, Tim Patrick, I love to. I spent all of last year telling everybody to pick up Tim Patrick every single week in, exactly. on our show. Yeah. Um, yeah, like they they have a great, great set of skill position players, and it might be all for naught at this point. We'll see, right? Like if if they can't get another quarterback in there and if we can't get more out of Drew Locke, and I don't really think the organization loves him. And Bridgewater might be the best option just to to be the guy that keeps things moving, keep the, keeps things on schedule. Um, but yeah, it's going to be really unfortunate if they can't make a move and get another quarterback in there this season. And I don't know that Garoppolo is going to be the guy that I would get that excited about stepping in there. But man, I, I hope it's not a, a lost season for for some of those talents. And and if it is, like Jerry Judy, that's somebody that I'd be targeting right now in case that Rogers trade ever happens. And just as somebody who performed pretty well as a rookie, despite bad quarterback play, um, if they have another a year where they have bad quarterback play, he's just going to be a screaming value. Be throwing everything to try to get him on my rosters. Hundred percent, because you could expect a, a regime change if things don't go well in Denver. I think Fangio will probably be gone. Pat Shermer will probably be gone, and then you're, you're looking at what could be available to someone to walk in there. It'd be that would be a great head coaching job twelve months from now. Absolutely. That's a good D. It's a good offense. You need a couple of pieces, but not a lot. I mean, you've got, you got you know, your quarterback room's fixed now. You've got good lines there. Good pass rush. Need some linebacker help. <laughs> uh, and a QB, but you don't need a lot. for that. That doesn't seem like a big job to turn Denver into a playoff contending team on paper. And they don't need to get Aaron Rodgers. If they just had like a competent quarterback mm. that gave them a little more than average, I think they'd be a Super Bowl contender for sure. Yeah. Little Spencer Rattler next year. Oh, don't, <laughs> don't. Okay, Justin, let's finish this off. Do you have one spicy hot take for the 2021 fantasy football season? Uh, all right, let's stick with the Broncos. Maybe, the, I don't know. I'll throw some at you. We'll see if they're spicy enough. I never know how, how spicy mm-hmm. I need to go with this stuff. Um, and let's stick with, we'll stick with rookies too, because that's what we've kind of talked about all day today. Uh, I think that before the season starts, uh, Melvin Gordon will either be traded or released. I do not think he's going to be a member of that Broncos team because Ooh. I think there's a reason why they traded up to get Javante Williams early in the second to get ahead of Miami. They really, really like him. They've talked him up as a three down guy. Um, I don't think he's going to come in and sort of play a Philip Lindsay role alongside Melvin Gordon. Melvin Gordon had, you know, the, the off field stuff where, you know, could he be suspended because of the DUI, I believe it was. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's going to be gone. I think they're going to like what they see from Javante Williams and, and rookie camps and stuff. And I think they're going to go with him 
And they already brought in guys like Mike Boone. Love Mike Boone. Great name. Um, <laughs> so I think, you know, a guy like that could step in there. They have Royce Freeman. They have enough in that room. And there's so many teams. And like I said earlier, I mean, I have shares of Miles Gaskin and Mike Davis, and I don't want to see another running back end up on those teams. But there's enough running back needy teams still that Melvin Gordon would find a job somewhere else. So I think Javante Williams could start week one and put up RB2 numbers in that offense with the volume um, and at that point he would kind of be looked at like Najee Harris is being looked at right now as a guy that would get all the opportunity. Um, that would be one. And then once again, I don't know if it's spicy enough, but like Jamar chase just coming in and being like a fantasy wide receiver one immediately spicy. and spicy. not Give even, offense. not even wasting any time just right in there. And yeah, there's some concerns about Joe Burrow. We had Edmund Porras on, on my podcast about a month ago, talking mm. about, you know, his concerns about Burrow potentially not being ready for week one, but assuming Burrow's ready to go, I think Chase is going to come in. I'm so sad that I couldn't get him in more spots. I didn't have high enough rookie picks this year, and I was trying to trade desperately up to get him um, on a couple teams that I've had the draft so far. But, um, yeah, he is going to be a, a star right away um, and be right up there and, you know, talked about among the the elite receivers in, in fantasy. I love that. I think they're both good. They're spicy. I, you know, I think they're, they're very spicy. We're, we're putting together a, a fair collection of Denver prop bets for these spicy hot takes for the beginning of the season. <laughs> Denver's the one that everyone targets. I love it. That's it. That's it. Justin, I mean, well, we had to, yeah, we had stepmom Lauren on a couple we of weeks did. ago. Um, and I said to her, if, um, if they didn't go quarterback in the draft, this was before the, the Teddy trade and they didn't bring anyone in and Drew Locke was the starter. Vic Fangio would be fired by Black Monday. <laughs> because they're not going to win enough games but her her the reason we got to that was her spicy hot take was that drew lock is going to be a top 10 top 10 top 10 fantasy qb (laughs) but Um, the thing is with drew lock in in defense of 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 her take there he has that like Jameis winston thing about him right where he could go out and throw 30 touchdowns and 30 picks and they have enough talent where it could be like a buccaneers situation from a couple years ago um, so it's not out of the question, but I think there's a better chance that that coaching staff, which already seems like they're souring on him, um, they would pull him before they let that happen, where Jameis didn't really have anybody behind <laughs> him. You know, he had Fitzpatrick that one year, but he didn't really have that much behind him where they kind of just let him go crazy. Um, I don't know that they'll let Locke do that for a full season. <laughs> I just had someone message me, um, Harry, in one of the group chats uh, I'm in, and he's like, what's more likely – Tebow making the 53 for the Jags or Jameis having a TD interception ratio of two to one in favor of TDs. I think, Hey, let's go with, let's go with Jameis. Jameis, right? With that coaching staff, Jameis, I don't know that he'll put up the monster numbers because I don't think they're going to chuck it around the yard. I think they're going to try to play within themselves and, and have him just keep things on course. But yeah, he could still he, for sure. He could put up, you know, 20 touchdowns and, and 10 interceptions and he could have, you know, an okay year. I'm going with Jameis there. All day. I, <laughs> all day long go Jameis because I just think, you know, it's more likely he's going to throw like he could do a 25-12 season. Um, quite, I reckon, no, I wouldn't say easily. This is Jameis we're talking about, but <laughs> uh, 25-12 season over Tebow making the 53. I just don't see a part. I mean, I know, I know Urban loves him, but I don't think he loves him that much. I think he loves winning more. Yeah, that's Jameis all day for me too. Listen, Justin, this has been a hell of a lot of fun, man. Thank you so much for coming back on. Why didn't you let Rush Nation know where they, if they're already not listening, where they can find your podcast, where they can find you, your articles, everything about you. Go for it. Go wild. 
Well, I'll, I'll say too, like, I love coming out with you guys. I feel like it's just such a, it's just a hangout, right? I feel like whether we were so, recording or not, we could be doing this and I'd be having a great time. So I always appreciate you guys having me on. Um, if everybody's looking for my content, uh, the score app, you guys were nice enough to plug it earlier. Just go download it. It's free. All my content on there is free. When our draft kit comes out, it's free as well. Um, you know, all my rankings, my dynasty trade value charts, um, all my, my articles will be doing breakouts and, and busts and all that stuff coming up soon. Um, so that's really exciting. All that's available on the score app. Um, as far as the podcast goes, you can find it anywhere you listen to your podcast. I'm pretty sure uh, Spotify, yeah. Apple music, uh, it's on all those, the score fantasy football podcast with Justin Boone. It's a, a big mouthful. You can see the logo over my shoulder there. Right. Um, so yeah, it's, it's been great. We've had uh, some fantastic guests on leading up to the draft. We had uh, Dane Brugler, the athletic, mm-hmm. uh, Danny Kelly, the ringer. Um, I look forward to having a, a bunch of great guests on before the season, getting everybody psyched and, and ready to go for another, another big fantasy season. I, I can't wait. You've been killing it the last few years really have. And uh, yeah, download the app. Even if you're, uh, you know, a soccer fan as well. I, I, we talked about it when you were last on. I use it. it. It gives me notifications before a lot of places. Uh, you guys beat NFL to the Tebow news today. You can tell your team that because they nice. did. They got it out before them, which I know that's competitive. You can for see sure. like, the timing <laughs> on it. But no, it's it's great for updates on your phone. But and the podcast is is brilliant because it's it's only on average twenty five thirty minutes, but loads of great content from one of the if not the most accurate ranker on the planet going back eight or nine years so you've been missing out not listening in that's it appreciate it justin man thank you so much for coming on guys this has been a hell of a lot of fun don't forget to head over to fiveyardrush.co.uk to pick up your 2021 playbook or if you are waiting for the amazon edition wait for that tweet to hit the twitter sphere i guess that's the thing right don't do twitter so i'm just throwing words out there now but hey listen rush nation justin we appreciate your time thank you so much for coming on man we'll have you back in the near future murph take it easy man not long till we can hang out and rush nation as always don't forget keep rushing live a long, healthy life if you're HIV positive. With the current treatments, we can get patients down to being undetectable. The array of options is so much greater today. U equals U. Undetectable equals untransmittable. If someone who's HIV positive, they're taking their medication, they're undetectable, they're not able to pass HIV to their partners. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Your HIV treatment is their prevention. Get more information at doitforumc.org. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.